Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. It's exactly a month until World Cup, baby. Today, Rachel and I are recording live to you from St. George's Park. So we're going to bring you all the latest squad news and a fair few bold predictions too, no doubt. Obviously, that's what we do. Are we? We also <laughs> react to a hugely damaging week for Manchester United as two of their stars leave the club for free. I mean, first things first, we've got to set a bit of context here. Me and Rachel are in the stairwell at St George's Park waiting for one of the media guys to kick us out and throw us down the stairs. Um, but at the same time, we're here and recording live from this amazing venue. We've just seen the Lionesses um, after the squad announcement. This is their first training session. And what a day it was. Pure blazing sunshine, clear blue skies. Have we come on a different day? Yeah, we have, yeah. I'm absolutely lying. It was torrential rain. It was absolutely horrendous. I'm and freezing cold. and I smell like wet dog. But here we are. I can confirm. So we make the most of this. I mean, Rach, how did you find today's, uh, this morning's training session? Well, first of all, St. George's Park is incredibly busy. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's so rammed. busy. Yeah, so I think, I'm hoping, uh, that's one of the reasons that we are, in fact, in a stairwell recording mm. a podcast. Yes. Um, but that doesn't matter because we are still in St. George's Park recording a podcast. So we yes. can add that to our list of under the Wembley arches at St. George's Park and then eventually down under. Up from um, bucket list. Yeah. It was good. It was good to see the training session, good to see the squad come together for the first time. Um, shame about the weather because it literally hasn't stopped raining. Wow. Um, but that's probably preparing us for the Australian slash potential New Zealand uh, winter. 
Well, it is going to be really cold out there. So I feel like it's just acclimatising the squad to exactly what they've been used to over here in this country. But I think the impression that I got from the squad as they were coming out, obviously they've got this fresh, beautiful new kit on. It was crap weather, fine. But they came out very vibrant, very energetic, a really buzzy session. Like first session with all together. Obviously, it's a very changed squad. Uh, from the squad that we saw at the Euros last year. But we did have a little bit of an update, didn't we, about a few injuries that were taking place. I mean, Millie Bright was doing her rehab programme, overseeing the training sessions. She was doing all of her resistance band stuff, which was amazing with the physio upstairs. So, Could you see her? Could you see her in the gym? Yeah, the took, took a few photos of her. Yay. Yeah, just doing her like dynamic moves and like she was doing all the kind of like stretches and stuff. It's so. such a shame we're not recording this because I enjoy your examples of dynamic movements. Yeah, it's very kind of like quick paced, uh, like a lot hand of hands. movements. Yeah, but it's like is... intense jazz hands. Or something. <laughs> yeah, it does look a little bit seizure-like, but it's um, it's what Millie Bright was doing uh, with the physio upstairs while she was sort of overlooking, like, you know, what was going on. Obviously, she's the captain. She wants to make sure that she's like overseeing what you know what was happening with the squad on their first day. Um, and then also, Georgia Stanway wasn't in the session. She was doing a slightly modified training program because she had nasal surgery, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Didn't know that was happening. Uh, and Jess Park as well, slightly modified uh, training program because she uh, was on reduced contact for a shoulder injury yeah, so yeah she got that towards the end of the season didn't she yeah so um yeah it was like a few people a few pe- you know key people missing there a few big names missing um but very much sort of in and around it and it is still very early days but yeah it was a very kind of basic session i thought it was very much a kind of you could tell it was an intro session a lot of running a lot of you know little you know two three movement patterns and kind of five-a-side games like but i mean you were there what kind what? of kind of what you expect um i've been to a few of these kind of training sessions these open training sessions and I also think they're not always going to do like really technical, tactical things mm-hmm. when they're inviting them to the media to the, the training session. But equally, as you say, first one back, squad, squad getting together. Um, I think they only arrived like yesterday, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, after a couple of weeks off. So kind of what you'd expect um, and just nice to see and to kind of get a visual for that squad now with all these new faces in and stuff as well. Massively. And I think it was um, it's quite nice sort of just watching Serena as well. She was sort of wandering from drill to drill. So she set up these kind of like four or five-a-side games and she was sort of like giving like loads of encouragement. Like she seemed really happy, like really chatty with the players, giving them little tweaks on techniques and sort of, you know, body language, body movement, that kind of thing. And then she'd go straight over and give exactly the same amount of time to the other um, five-a-side or four-a-side little games that were going on. And I think that's a little bit psychological almost. It's like I'm watching every single one of you every single one of you is in contention mm. and I'm going to help every one of you get to that starting 11 position and you guys it's up to you how much effort you put in do you know what Chloe? go on we haven't really talked about the Lionesses squad since it's dropped have we we haven't and what have your first impressions been what were your first impressions when it came out um well my Letizier is, Where is she? is the big one where I mean, is she I <laughs> In hiding? Like, Actually, I... to be honest, she's here. She's downstairs. We saw her <laughs> but in terms of the squad... I just think it was, I think that was when we, because me and Rachel, obviously, we went to uh, Boldermere FC for the squad announcement on the 31st of May. It was a very unusual day because it was in a club, a clubhouse in the arse end of nowhere next to like a retirement home and a funeral <coughs> parlour. So <laughs> to set the scene, it was a little They're bit inspiring unnerving. the next generation. Funeral parlour is less of the next generation, but that's the point. Grassroots quite nice connection. for the next generation to kind of understand, you know, time is limited, so crack on. <laughs> if you don't make the squad, <laughs> This is where you'll end up. Fulfill your ambitions well, now, people. Because... Savage. The beginning of your career, the end of your career. All in one. So I think maybe that's that was the FA's plan all along, and we've only just realised that. And that's you know, it's really deep from the FA. Really appreciate the in-depth, um, you know, where they've gone with that. But I think that was the first time 
Then we'd obviously heard the squad announcement. There was a lot of, you know, chatter about who was going to be in it. You know, Beth England uh, coming back into the into the fold. Uh, yeah, Myla Tizio being dropped out. But at the press conference, I thought Serena was obviously asked so many questions about why certain people weren't selected, why she'd chosen certain people. And with Maya, she seemed to take the most amount of time explaining that it just, it wasn't the right, quite the right fit. Which is interesting because Serena Wiegmann hates talking about individuals. Mm. She doesn't like to put the spotlight on individuals. Um, and that's a hard thing to avoid when you're looking at a squad selection. Yeah. You have to talk, you have to answer these questions. And I think everyone was asking that question. Why is Mayla Tizzi not here? I would not want to have been on that call. Um, yeah, Serena, that was the one that I thought Serena looked the most kind of un- indecisive about. And she's also, you know, she's a very decisive person. But would you have had Maya in the 100%. squad? 100%. Yeah. Like, but who would have gone out then? Um, Esme Morgan. Oh. For me, Mayla Tizzi has been one of the best defenders in the league, mm-hmm. full stop. Never mind, you know, in terms of performance in the, this team. In the league this season, she's been the most consistent. And she offers that variety of being able to play fullback. Yeah. Um, she used to play fullback for Brighton uh, as well. So that, for me, is the one where I was kind of most surprised. Like, you know, maybe a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. Katie Robinson came in or, you know, things like that, but less less surprised. You know, they were players who were on the cusp. I was not surprised about Beth England. Yep. But at the same time, you're never 100% sure, are you, when it's a player like that who's missed out before. So delighted that Beth England has come into the squad. I think she'll be a great addition. But yeah, the biggest, biggest surprise for me was Nola Tizier. I mean, she couldn't have set out a stall any better for Manchester no. United. Like, especially towards the back end of the season, I thought she pulled off some critical like defending manoeuvres that just, Kate, there was one, I can't remember which one it was, but someone was through on goal. I can't remember which game it was, but she slid last minute. Manchester City, wasn't it? I think it, it might have been Man City. Yeah, it was a... Dis- Bonnie Shaw. Di- it was that. A disgusting disgusting tackle that it was just it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen like defensive wise um, but again yeah like I, I've got to agree with Beth England I mean she could not have done more this season to say Serena pick me um, yeah I mean like she pretty much single handedly almost pulled Spurs out of the relegation zone was absolutely key for them this half of their campaign and I think we spoke to her sort of a little bit briefly before that and you know she was saying how excited she was to, to be in in and around the, uh, the squad so yeah, just and them. Jordan Nobbs, another one who took a risk like Beth England, one hundred percent paid off. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of like the old fold coming back again, and I think maybe that's a touch with Serena saying, okay, well, we need some experienced heads out there, we need some older players, we need some more mature, experienced players, um, because the, the 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 squad is is quite young now. One hundred percent. That's one of the key areas. I think you know we talk a lot about the injuries and how that might impact the Lionesses. You know, we all thought they were going into this World Cup as one of the favourites, and they are, mm-hmm. but they've obviously suffered some key injuries. They've had a few players who've retired. Um, I think it was Tom Gary who wrote that the average age of the Lionesses has gone down from 27.1 at the Euros to 25.7 is the average age now of the squad. Really? So when you factor that in, you also factor in, yes, we've got young players in there who, who've experienced a major tournament, but that was a major tournament at home. And I feel like that there's a different element to going away, going abroad for an entire six weeks, two months, whatever it might be, not just going abroad, they're on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. you know. So it's not even like that easy for all their families to come over there's a different kind of element to a tournament like this down in Australia and New Zealand and I think experience is the area that might be lacking a bit so having your Jordan Nobbs come back in and, and that kind of thing could be key it's so true I mean the emotional physical mental impact of having a tournament that far away I mean that was something that Rachel Daly touched on in, in the sort of uh, the press pack uh, what an hour or so ago she was saying even my family aren't going to be able to make it out there for the whole tournament and you know these families all have lives they have jobs and things like that and I think everyone just assumes that 
all their family's going to be out there with them for like what six seven eight weeks at a time and and i do think when yeah yeah when you've got youngsters you've got you know teenagers you've got like early 20s they're kids almost mm-hmm. i mean i don't know what you were doing in your early 20s but i was an idiot i moved abroad to amsterdam for a year and i tell you what the first six weeks i was so homesick i was gonna say do you remember it <laughs> i thought i thought it was going down that direction no, no, no. <laughs> uh, but that was the, that was my first takeaway from the beginning i was like i'm such a home bird like and, and I, that was an hour flight away. So, you know, it's another element you need to think about. And, and having, that's where you, let, you miss a player like a Jill Scott or an Ellen White to throw yeah. an arm around the shoulder and say, you'll be grand, I've been there before, you know, don't worry about it. Um, but you've got, you know, Lucy Bronze was in, in Canada. Absolutely. Um, I think Millie Bright as well. So, like, you've got players like that who can provide that. 100%. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting stat from Tom, how the age has dropped um, but look, it means there's a lot of energy and excitement in that squad. And I think we saw that today. And Zellum as well, another experienced head, uh, not at international level, but another player um, as being their six uh, that have been selected. And this is their first major tournament. But I think Zellum's another one, you know, big captain at Man United, obviously season three, absolutely stellar season this year. Um, you know, and been such a kind of big part of their journey. I just think she's another one who's going to add to that. Um, yeah, just that, just that. You know, that bit of like arm rounds, arm mm-hmm. rounds players that you, you kind of need, the kind of like the softer skills that you that you kind of need. She might not get all the game time that, you know, that other players might get, but I think she'll be one of those people in the changing room who are very much kind of, you know, I'm here for you if you need me. And that's something maybe we take for granted and, and we don't think about when we think about squad selection is mm-hmm. we don't think about everything off the pitch yep. in a major tournament that you need to think about that you need to factor in your your bonding sessions your you know you're going to have little groups within the big group aren't you so those are areas that you need to also factor in when you're picking in players picking players into the squad and um yeah you know maybe we've got a little bit more of that now with the squad some of the players even if they've not had that um big tournament experience as you say might have a little bit more life experience that will be valuable absolutely okay right injuries we keep talking about it, it's impacted the squad, it's made a big difference. Obviously, Leah Williamson being the biggest and most high-profile one, and we're still kind of a little bit on the fence about what's happening with Millie Bright. Her not being at this training session today is not the best start to the training, the first training camp, but she looked very good overseeing that rehab thing, <laughs> unit glass unit thing um, at St George's Park. But do we think that the injuries have impacted us in such a way that it makes us a lot weaker than we were last year going into the Euros? I think <clears throat> I think they've had enough time to deal with the lack of Fran Kirby and the lack of Beth Mead. And I think they've played enough games to be able to manage that and to have other solutions to that those problems. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the Leah Williamson would have been a big blow, not not only because of her positioning, but also because of the fact that she was captain. Now... I spoke about this with Sophie and she rightly pointed out that this time last year before the tournament we still weren't 100% sure about who was starting and who was playing mm-hmm. where. Leah Williamson had been up in midfield for a lot of the time. Alex Greenwood was playing central defence. You know, we still had, we still weren't 100% sure yeah. right, about who was doing what. And so much of that was determined in that train, those training camps that they had in the lead up to the major tournament and so much of that was figured out and nailed down and, and perfected in that up, uh, in that window coming up to the major tournament and, mm-hmm. and we have to consider that there is an awful lot of time for them ahead of the major tournament to work out these problems so yeah it will be it will be difficult for the team but I think the way England manage their captain or their captains is that it's often not just one person bearing the brunt of everything I think they mm-hmm. spread it out amongst their vice captains and that way I think if something like this does happen you've got your Millie Bride stepping in it's not such a huge leap for her I would agree with that actually 
Yeah, we do. You yeah. say that so surprised. We do. We have our moments, but I think we've agreed quite a lot recently. We have. To be fair. Um, and then you've got someone like Mary Earps, who's the kind of seemingly the vice. Although it's not been reconfirmed, but Serena did really strongly suggest that she was going to be taking that vice captaincy position, and that because I think she was makes it, sense. Do you know was was it Alan White who was number three? I think it was in the Euros. So yeah, it makes sense to give that to Mary Earps. Actually, I think she deserves it. She's just been. She's just, oh, you know how I feel about Mary. I do Earps, know how you, our, our listeners well, know how you feel about we, Mary. We digress, but also in terms of like her position on the pitch as well you know she's going to play every match pretty mm-hmm. much so you have that consistency value as well yeah I don't think anyone's got any concerns about who will be in the number one position <laughs> uh, uh, when, <laughs> when that opening game kicks off for the 20th so okay are you going for the next big question yeah go on no well we've just talked about the fact that they've come back from two weeks off mm-hmm. is it enough time because we've talked about the whole ECA you know want, give, wanting to give them more time off yeah we've spoken about how this idea of them not coming in before the 10th of July was too close to the World Cup. Yeah. You know, it'll take them two days to get out there. Mm-hmm. And then they have four days before they can really go into any proper training because of jet lag. So the idea that you'd be given teams maybe four days <laughs> if you play early, um, four days before you actually play a match, that's equally dangerous in terms of preparation. So we've seen England and the FA negotiate if you like mm. battle it out they battled it out over four days and they'd, they'd agreed on the 23rd and then England was like no we want the 19th and anyway England aren't the only one doing it either you know the Netherlands are in there's yeah. a couple of other teams who've already started meeting I'm pretty sure Denmark have met up already mm-hmm. thoughts on this do you think it could have a negative impact on the squad or do you think it could have a positive impact I think the fact that they've battled for it to start yesterday I think there's so much sports science there's so much information there's so much stuff that will be going on behind the scenes to have informed that date and I think we've seen such an endemic pandemic happen with injuries this season in the English league there's no way in hell that the FA and Serena are going to be put themselves in a situation where they're doing the wrong thing for players because they don't feel that they're getting enough prep time I think if anything I think going in earlier because the squad has vastly changed so they're going to have to adapt to it everyone's different styles of play and it's not just like the work they do on the pitch but it's also bringing the cohesion with the squad just like being in the changing room being around each other being in the camp building these friendships building these bonds because although these girls might have played against each other they won't have had time or some of them might not know each other at all or spoken to each other ever um so i do think in a in a way it does feel quite nice to just have that additional time so you also to factor in as well that they're going home at weekends <clears throat> I think that's that's still the case here so it's not like a full intensive you know you're in for so many weeks I think they still are able to go home at weekends like they were during the Euros and then I think the closer they get they they um, stop doing that um, so you have to factor that in as well so I, I remember last year they would do things like they had a big barbecue didn't they where all the families came before in St George's Park you oh know God, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of that <laughs> so um, I remember because Demi Stokes brought her little baby it was so cute but whether that's something they would do again probably especially given they're going so far away um, who and do you reckon would be in charge of the barbecue god that's a good question I feel like that's a a daily and bright duo situation <laughs> really bright 100% would be involved could you imagine both of them though like <laughs> It just feels like something they do together. <laughs> I just feel like Serena would be tossing in the corner with like just like a hot dog. Like, what the fuck is this squad? <laughs> anyway, um, another thing that I think we really need to talk about because I was looking at such a tasty buffet of forwards uh, in that first training session today. Carla Ward has made her feelings very clear a few weeks ago uh, on the pod that Rachel Daly should start ahead of Alessia Russo. Do we agree? 
I think if you're looking at form from the season, mm-hmm. it makes sense to start Rachel Daly. Um, and that doesn't mean Alessia Russo hasn't played well. Mm-hmm. I just think Rachel Daly has played so well. Um, and I'm not sure whether Alessia Russo has had an, not had enough time, but like she has to transition from an off-the-bench impact sub mm-hmm. to the starting nine for England. Um, and now she has the challenge from Rachel Daly. So... I don't know. Part of me wonders, do you start daily and have Russo do what she did in the Euros and, and come off the bench and make that impact? I think if you kind of look at it from a, like, on-paper perspective, you know, you look at Russo's season, she's one of the, I think, the joint top goal scorer for Man United. She picked up the Players' Player Award at the, the Women's Football Award, where you won yours. <laughs> um, you know, obviously was a massive part of the Euros campaign last year, but again, like you said, she was a substitute. She didn't start at any point, but she did score probably the best goal that England, men's or women's, juniors, whatever, has ever seen in, their, in our entire lives. Um, but like when you look at her form, so I brought, brought up some of her stats and I was thinking, okay, in terms of goals scored for the WSL, she ranked fifth. Shots on target, she ranked sixth in the league. Touches in the opposition box, she was seventh. And aerial duels won, she was also seventh, which for a player of her stature is quite unusual. Mm-hmm. And then you look at someone like Daly, who just picked up the golden boot by an absolute marrow, like she's so far ahead. And I just think she's in such good form, on such good confidence. And she's a little bit older, a little bit more mature bidded around the England setup for a while so I just feel like I've got to agree uh, for me daily starts Russo still still a super sub and I don't think that's like a bad thing either right like it's it's not the it's, issue is though that if Serena does that in the first game that's how the rest of the tournament will go because she always does the same thing true but I'm wondering whether she'll you know whether she'll switch that around you know whether because bear in mind everyone knows she does that now everyone mm. knows that that's an England tactic do you know what I mean oh you think so, we're not going to have the same starting 11 for the and it's, it's really hard to tell because well it's a lot more games yeah and obviously you know we Serena's used this year to kind of mix and match some players and, mm-hmm. and try out some new people so it's hard to know if she's going to stick to that um, you know she probably will if it, I think it just massively depends I think it will depend a lot on that front decision and how the impact subs and if we're going to rely on impact subs but I think you know Viegman treats this very much as a full squad impact on a game, right? It's not just your starting eleven. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right in thinking that she'll just kind of stick to that that style. But then you've got to think: does, if Toon starts, that would be the first time that Toon's made the starting eleven. Because normally it was Russo and Toon super subs about 60th minute, 65th minute. Yeah, boom, yeah. we know what they're going to do. But now Toon starts, Russo's still on the bench, and Daly <coughs> is there. I don't know how that looks excited we'll have to wait and see it's it's a good a good problem to have, <laughs> isn't it? uh speaking of russo she's gone and i just want to take a small pause uh to reflect on the fact that i'm in fact i'm, I'm just wiping away a small tear is this why you're dressed in black this episode it is it does feel like a morning type situation your veil I mean, is lovely uh, thank you i really tried um i've got ar in the back for um <laughs> for, for, well, for i um, I had the absolute fortune of um, reporting on the news last week, but also obviously the unfortunate experience of it being one of Man United's most valuable and treasured players leaving for one of their rivals. Well, what we think will be one of their rivals. I mean, 
every kind of signpost is pointing towards Arsenal. Um, I mean, Rach, what did you think of the news? We weren't too sure what was going to happen. Obviously, Arsenal made the big approach back in January. That was rejected. I thought it was a risky move from Man United, leaving her to potentially go for a free. That's now happened. What the hell? I find it really interesting. I would love to know what goes on in these negotiations because when we spoke about it before and when this rumour first came up, we kind of thought that she was waiting to see what would happen with Man United at the end of the season. And I'm thinking, like, would winning the league have made her stay? It's not like they were far off. Mm -hmm. They were only a couple of points in it. Yep. So if it wasn't winning the league that was going to make her stay, why didn't she go when it was you know, half a mil on the table. Why didn't Man United take it? Like, I guess Man United knew what the, what was going to, what the, they almost got a sneak peek of what their rivals were going to mm-hmm. want to bid for her in the summer. Um, and yet it didn't happen. Like, you know, I've read that it was, they were slow in negotiations or whatever that might be. And I've heard the same about Ona Baje, which we're coming on to. But to then let her go, knowing you could have had half a mil, does seem mad, and we and we spoke about it. Um, you know, seeing the likes of Pernilla Harder and Magda Eriksson going for free, like seeing players of this caliber, clubs getting to sign them, um, and we were accused by Man United fans of not saying anything about any of those players mm-hmm. leaving on a free, which we obviously absolutely did, and yep. mul- multiple fora. Um, but it, it is crazy to think that uh, Arsenal just had to bide their time. Put the money back in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Invest it. And, Interest uh, rates are through the roof right now. Get it for free and um, you know, potentially spend that 500 mil on, on somebody else. But yeah, it is ve- looking very likely that it's Arsenal. There were some rumours about NWSL as well, but yep. I think the Arsenal rumours are looking most likely. I just, I just feel disappointed. I think the, the contract negotiations at some point have broken down. I can only assume that Russo said back in January that she was very much interested in, like you said, seeing where the club got to. And the club could not have done any more to keep... Uh, unless they won the league or had won the FA Cup, then fine. But realistically speaking, them even getting to the FA Cup final, them coming second, was a massive fucking achievement. Coming second, I love that. It's just coming, yeah. How did you do in the FA Cup? I came second. <laughs> yeah, that's how I'd phrase it. <laughs> You've got teams down in like the first round going, I came 148th. Yeah, fine, good for you. Okay, at least you weren't 158th. So... <laughs> I just feel like, I don't know, I just, I feel disappointed. And I think, like, that was such a beautiful partnership that Russo and Toon had. I worry about the next replacement. I mean, you know, not to, you know, really self-promote the article that I did here, but it was based on the kind of contract negotiations and what we thought went down based on what both parties were saying. And it, you know, there seems to be suggesting that there was, you know, difficulties with um, negotiating, obviously, the amounts that I know Russo was quite keen on staying quite close to her family down in um, Grey's, Essex. Um, so those were kind of the factors that were involved in it. And also the money. I mean, this kid, even despite what we've just said about, you know, her being maybe fifth or sixth in the league for goals scored or chances created and things like that, her commercial value is fucking huge. Like, she's in Gucci. Like, she everyone wants to know what Russo is doing despite her not being the best player in the WSL. Like, this, this is a big factor and, it, you know, even if you're a Man United fan, you have to kind of accept the pull that a player like that has massive. at the club. Um, and again, we were told off by Man United fans when we said we couldn't believe that Russo had gone on a free um, for not talking about Onabaje, mm. even though Onabaje hadn't been announced. Like It was a rumour, but it hadn't been announced yet. So obviously we were talking about Russo because Russo had been announced. And that is... A big factor of, of what she brings as well is the off pitch 
commercial value, mm-hmm. um, which is important in the women's game because it's another avenue to bring money into your club, right? Um, so it is a surprise. I'd like, I think Man United and Mark Skinner have spoken about how they're going to need to be going out and getting, looking for players who can compete in the Champions League. Like that's their next step. So to be losing a player like that with, when you have that kind of mindset is a real shame. And look, maybe they're, well, I was going to say, maybe they're looking at using the money they get for her to uh, bring in other players, but sure they didn't get any. So <laughs> there goes that idea. <laughs> well, I think, do you feel quite concerned about Man United? They've lost Alessia Russo up front. They've lost Ana Bajé at the back. I mean... Oh, I'm so sad. Like, Ana Bajé's got to be one of the best in that position, isn't she? 100%. I mean, and I think everyone understands why she why that move was made, because it was just a return back to... Yeah, home, and it and was... returned back to the it best felt club like it was, It felt like the whole it was coming, you know, and... <laughs> I read that she hadn't. That wasn't even like potentially the best offer that she got. But like I think, yeah, there's a difference when she sees that as home, isn't it? But I, I just a moment's silence as well for the league to be losing a player like that. We don't get to watch her weekend week out, which for is sure. very sad. Look, I'm not worried yet. Like I'm really keen to see who they bring in in the summer. I'm really keen to see the kind of ambition they show. Um, they want a challenge in Champions League. They don't, you know, they're not just there to take part. They're not just there to say, oh, we got in. You know, mm-hmm. just being here is fun, you know. Um, they want a challenge, so I'm really excited to see who they want to try and bring in. I think, you know, we, maybe we, we look back at the towards the end of the summer and then we can talk about whether we're worried or not based on what transfers are done. That sounds like quite a pragmatic approach to take, to be honest, but I've already got into, like, pure well, fear. you have a little bit more of an emotional connection. I do. And I think that might be it. So I I'm going to be your, give you the realism mm. and kind of... Calm me down a bit. That's I think I needed that because I was edging on a small panic attack no. um, when both of those were announced and <laughs> I was very concerned. I think when you kind of look at how the league is going now and you've got people like Arsenal who are poaching, is the word that I'm going to use for Alessia Rizzo, poach stealing. Do you know almost. what? I think it's actually they've done very good business. They inquired about her back in 2020. Mm. They tried to pay a fuckload of money for her. They did try. And United <laughs> said, no, you're grand. Don't worry about it. And then they were like, all right, we'll just wait and have her for free. So that, like, that's, that's shrewd business right there. I think the... Do you know what I feel like? It's not even just like, okay, we've got to wait and see what kind of talent they bring in. But I do feel like those two players in particular, because they are stars, because they are kind of like the big celebs, the big names of that group, I do feel like it, that does have an impact on mm-hmm. other players who are left. I mean... Mary Earps was saying sort of towards the end of the season, you know, we've got to keep the stars that we've got because, you know, she has just signed the contract extension for next year, but she's going to be on a free next year. And my God, her value now is through the, is through the fucking roof. Mm. So, you know, if, you, if you're in one season almost, lost Alessia Russo, Anna Bache and Mary Earps, like, I would be looking at the board and saying, what the hell have we done here? Because that could take you from second place in the WSL, FA Cup finals and Champion League spot to all of a sudden looking like Spurs. Or, let's flip this on its head, maybe now when they're going out to bring players in, they say, look, we've got space for stars here. You can be the key player that goes up on the billboards. Sorry, Chloe's having a little, a little laughing fit now because we're having interruptions coming so, through our stairs. I'm being a fucking um, child. But you know what? That is just the extra insight that we can bring you mm. while we do our podcasts from all these random areas. Um, you just wait for Australia. Gosh. Maybe we should just start getting people to guess where we are and we give them like those sound, <laughs> little sound clues or like, you know, I spy with my little eye and then our listeners have to guess where we've recorded the podcast. That's a really lovely That's idea. It's quite a nice idea, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, back to Man United. Basically, mm. it, not, not all hope is lost. Don't okay? worry. Let's try and be positive. Okay, fine. But if they lose herbs, I'm losing my shit. I'll allow that and we'll record it for the, for the listeners too. Thank um, you. Just be a montage of screams. 
Pauline Bremer is coming back to the WSL. Brighton managed to sign her. Some exciting news. It's a great signing. We've also had Hannah Hampton left Aston Villa. Yep. Apparently in talks with Chelsea, which I find really interesting because obviously they've got Anne-Catherine Berger. Zachira Musevich just signed an extension. They've got Emily Orman and now... They've got all the goalkeepers oh, that you could ever the, possibly speaking want. Speaking of poetry. You could, field, you could field a starting eleven with just goalkeepers at Chelsea. I'm not entirely sure where Hannah's going to fit into that mould. And also, she's Listen, not they've gonna... lost Magda and Pranilla. Maybe they're thinking outside the box. <laughs> but where would you put her, though? Defensively, she'd be great at the kind of aerial duels. But also, she could be like a kind of Peter Crouch type situation up top. Interesting. Mm. This could be a really fun next season. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that would be great. I mean, there's no other place that she could be. I do feel like that's a bit of a vulnerable move for her because she was getting game time at Villa and maybe. now with Chelsea, she's just not going to. Maybe she'll go out and loan. But then, and then Chelsea have one of the best young English goal, up-and-coming English goalkeepers. I mean, and AKB then, is getting on a bit. And then AKB, you know, maybe after a year or a season... Maybe it's that. It's Maybe she's it. Oh, do you know what? We're, just, we're, not, we're not on par with Emma Hayes and her forward thinking. That's what it is. No but one ever sussed is. it. We sussed it. You heard it here first. Uh, Emma Hayes has created a legacy of about 300 years worth of future goalkeepers. So <laughs> congrats, Emma, because we've only just discovered what you're doing. Right. Where are you going to be this weekend? Do you know where I'm going to be this weekend? Where are you going to be? I'm going to be on a plane. Oh, my God. Where are you whole, going? The whole weekend. No. Because I'm going to Australia. <laughs> We're going early. We're going to have a little bit of a holiday. Uh, we're going to do a bit of New Zealand beforehand. We're going to do some Uluru. And then we're going to head to the Sunshine Coast and, and get ready for all this media stuff for um, England and Ireland. So make sure you... little plug for Girls in the Ball if you want to follow our fun journey. But yeah, that's my whole weekend is basically just going to be on a plane. Well, I heard that someone gave you some packing tips today. I got some excellent packing tips. Hey, what was what was said? I'm not going to tell you because Can't you're going to have to watch our channels oh, to find out what the packing tips were. Trying to get exclu- Thank you, Laura Coombs. Exclusive on the girls in the ball here. You will see it. Uh, where will I be this weekend? I am working, actually, Saturday and Sunday. Um, yes, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, I don't think any massive news is going to come in. And now don't that I've say said that. that huge. It, massive news will come in. Mary Earp's leaving don't for say Barcelona that. for 500 million billion pounds. I was going to say 500 million actually isn't that mad of a thing to go up higher. For Mary Earps, I think that's actually quite cheap. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's weird and wonderful episode uh, of Upfront brought to you live from St George's Park in the stairwell. Um, Rachel's off to Australia this Saturday but fear not we will be back next Tuesday. See you next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.